Hello, and welcome everyone. I am Evan McCann, and this is The Hard Part. This shows a deep dive into strategies, founding stories, and more behind Canada's top founders, investors, and leaders. My guest today is Justin Herlich. Justin is the co-founder of Pine. Pine is transforming the Canadian home financing process by creating a new digital-first, direct-to-consumer, and low-rate process for their clients. In this episode, we discuss Justin's background that led to starting Pine, and he gives a crash course on the mortgage industry in Canada and why it is ripe for disruption. Please enjoy my conversation with Justin Herlich. Justin, I thought the best place to start would be your background. So you went to Queens for an undergrad and you worked on the product side at Blend and Instabase. How did these experiences lead you to starting Pine? Uh, Would love to kind of maybe dive a bit more into your background and what helped shape you. Yeah, I mean, that's totally right. So these experiences were really all I had before starting Pine. Like they, they were the reason I started the company. So if I go back a few years, um, at Queens, I was in the commerce program. So for me, I really wanted to, you know, follow the pack and go into one of the more traditional careers. And, and for me, that looked like a career in finance. So I did actually work at a couple of the major Canadian banks. And the last one, I the last time I worked there, I was on the trading floor. Funny enough, I was on the trading floor for interest rate products. So something that I thought was you know, never going to come back in my life at all, but here I am in mortgage. Um, and doing that was really the first step to getting out of it because I realized that like, hey, like waking up at 5 a.m., going into the trading floor, um, you know, that type of environment wasn't the right environment for me. And like, I, I really believe that people are the most successful when their kind of skill sets and their, their um, uh, set up for success in the right environment. So even though I maybe could have kept doing it, it wasn't going to be something that was going to work out long term for me. Um, so when I... Uh, went full-time, I actually went like totally different. I ended up working at CAR, uh, but as a software engineer, right? And, and for me, that was a great experience because it allowed me to get more hands-on in the tech industry. So it gave me the opportunity to move to California, which is always hard coming from Canada. And um, I, I enjoyed being a software engineer, but um, you know, I don't think I would have been the best at it. Um, because I, I didn't, I wasn't able to do certain aspects of that job as well as I could see my peers were. Um, so when I got the call from, from, uh, Brian at blend, that's when I really started to get involved in mortgage and it led me on the path to start pine. So it was, it was great. So, uh, blend for, for you and for, for your listeners is a technology company in California that provides it's called a mortgage point of sale system, but essentially it's a, it's a piece of technology. It's a platform that allows um, uh, mortgage lenders in the U.S. to have an online experience and facilitate that online. So we were essentially the market winner in this category of software, which is fantastic. Um, it, it meant that companies like Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, BMO Harris, Navy Federal Credit Union, these were all companies that were using uh, Blend to, to have their online mortgage. So when I joined that company, you know, they were really small in certain aspects. They're still big in some others, but like they were, um, they had about six or so customers. That's the number I recall. And we didn't have any of the major lenders yet. So we didn't have Wells Fargo. We didn't have US Bank. And really what we were trying to do was we were trying to push the US industry forward from a mortgage perspective and from a digital perspective. And uh, what happened there was Rocket Mortgage came out with Rock, our Quicken Loans came out with Rocket Mortgage in like 2016, I believe. And because of that, um, because of that, all the lenders in the US, all the traditional players were um, really like kind of on their back foot. And they're like, whoa, like we need to invest in digital technology and we need to be able to compete with Rocket because Rocket's going to take our market share. Well, Rocket ended up taking their market share anyways, but the, the general sentiment was still right. Like they needed to compete and they knew that they didn't have the resource, they didn't have the technical talent and they didn't have the... Um, uh, really the, the speed of being able to release like kind of a consumer facing technology and the amount of time that they had to, to stay competitive. 
So it was like perfect timing for blend, which had been in market for a number of years, but they were offering like different things uh, to really take advantage of the fact that all of the U.S. lenders were finally in a point where they're willing to invest in their technology. Um, so blend took advantage of that. We grew very quickly. Uh, so over the years, we grew from like when I joined, you know, maybe like 100 employees, like 2000 employees, 2000 plus employees. Um, and they went public. And, you know, I think they like to say that they're I could be wrong on this exact quote, but they power they power about one third of all. U.S. mortgage applications across all their different lenders. So it's about $5 billion every day. Obviously, the market goes up and down. It's a mortgage market. But um, so at Blend, I was on this, and the team I was on was no longer software engineering. I was at, I was on a partnerships team at, uh, at Blend. And what that meant was like, hey, how can we grow this business uh, while partnering with other institutions? So I partnered with Fannie Mae. It's like a large U.S. Uh, quasi-government institution that handles mortgages. And um, I did a number of other projects. But what really led me to Pine was, I went to the team and I was like, hey, Nima, Nima's the CEO, uh, Blend. And I was like, hey, Nima, I think that like we should take what's working in the US and bring it to Canada. I'm from Canada. There's a great opportunity here. Um, you know, if we do this, we could like be the first. The banks don't have anything. This is like 2018. And, uh, you know, we could, we could really be like a leader and capture a lot of market share because it's so concentrated. <laughs> and they told me and they said, you know, Justin, um, Canada's not on a roadmap. Like, it's just like, it's not something we're focused on. Like nobody wants to do this, uh, you know, but, but we, we appreciate your persistence, like how much you seem to care about this. Why don't you just go and see, like, see if there's an opportunity, take the software that like, take the platform we have, see if you can get someone in Canada to use it. So again, I wasn't like on a sales team or anything. Um, but with that being said, I was like, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's see what we can do. So I ended up talking to like every major lender in Canada primarily the big banks. And we actually ended up launching the product with one of the largest non-bank lenders. Uh, and that was like a six month pilot went really well. That turned into a three-year deal. But the point of that pilot was prove to the Canadian banks that we could get the software that was not only working in the U S at scale, but it would work in Canada. Canadian consumers weren't like, afraid of it. Um, because again, we allowed lenders to have an online mortgage process. Well, even though we were able to get it working, the Canadian banks were still not really on board to really change and innovate. They were like, well, you know, like, yeah, it's happening in the US. Yeah, you know, but like, it's not the right time for us. Maybe come back. Maybe like, why don't we talk about like a few months, turn into years. And eventually we just decided that the Canadian market was not at a point where they were willing to invest. And, you know, if you look, if you look now, 2022, um, heading into 2023, like none of the Canadian banks, except for one of them, really has a substantial online experience. Like you can't go like end to end, even just not even talking about getting your mortgage fulfilled or e-signing any of that. Like, like literally you can't even do like a full application anywhere uh, with document collection and follow-ups and, and credit pulls and all that stuff. Like you can't do it. So it was pretty baffling to me, but that really made me realize that the real, like the real opportunity in the Canadian market was like, Hey, rather than like take a piece of software and license it to, you know, one of the big banks, just, um, just do it. Just give the consumer exactly what the consumer wants, which is a really seamless online, simple experience with a good rate. Um, it, it's really, really not crazy stuff, but it was, it was like this big paradigm kind of shift, uh, for the market. And for me as a Canadian living in the United States, it was, it was wild how many FinTech offerings we had available. So like you could do anything. There's like platforms for sending money. There's platforms for converting currency. Uh, Ven, uh, examples like Venmo, Wise, um, whether you want to like save your money or invest it, Robinhood. I mean, now we, we have some like copycats, but Robinhood really was the first that made that really simple. Like we had all these products available to us. And I was like, well, Canadians don't have any of this. Um, so in general, I, you know, Canadian fintechs are five to 10 years behind the US, which is, which is unfortunate, uh, but something that Pine's here to change. So uh, last part of my kind of career journey before I started Pine was I worked at Instabase. So Instabase was a company that I had grown to like a strong relationship with while at Blend. They were one of our partner companies. And for me, it was, it was a cool opportunity to really get in quite early. So if you, if you look at my career, kind of the, the overall trend is like earlier and earlier stage companies. So um, when I joined Instabase, I think I was around employee 30 and I was the first product manager. So that was really cool. And Instabase, I don't need to go into a ton of detail, but essentially they're like a, a platform for um, large organizations to create automation in, in the back end. So it's either document processing or natural language processing. Um, we actually did a, a substantial mortgage project for one of the largest banks in the U.S. as well. Um, and then at Instabase, I had a good like two-year tenureship there. Helped grow again. That company grew a lot. 
uh, like 30 people, 150 people when I left, I think they're like four, close to 400 employees now. And, um, what was really pivotal with that experience was I met Jonathan, who's the co-founder of Pine and, um, you know, COVID caused everyone to start working remotely. I decided that, Hey, I'll spend some time back home in Canada. I'll work remotely. And, um, you know, after being back, I, I decided to make the long-term like permanent move. So I came back to visit during COVID right when things started locking down. And my personal game plan was like, get a lot of, get a lot of tech experience, work in the U S but come back to Canada eventually. And I thought it was many, many more years in the future. But for me, it was like, Hey, well, I, you know, this might be the right time. COVID was kind of an accelerant for a lot of people uh, in, in their plans. So because of that, when I returned to the U S I just packed up my bags and I drove back home to Canada. I actually drove from you know San Francisco back to Toronto and uh, I was still working for Instabase, but I was working remotely in Toronto. They actually have a couple other employees in Toronto, which is great. But um, to me, I was like, Hey, I'm home and back. I got all this great experience. This mortgage thing, it's still a problem. It's not solved. 99% of the market is done offline traditional channels. Like I, I I'm going to just go for it. Like I, I'm not going to wait for someone else to go do this. I'm going to go create a mortgage lender. Uh, and luckily I had built a really strong relationship with Jonathan working on Instabase together. Um, and I was like, Hey, Jonathan, I'm sorry, mortgage lender. Do you want to do it with me? So he, uh, fortunately was like up for that plan. Uh, so he came over here to Toronto and we started Pine. Um, and that, that's kind of like how the company really came together. I mean, it's a bit of a long story, but, um, that's what got us here. When you talk about that, that offline process, you know, the 99% plus mortgages are done that way. Why is that? Is it just status quo? People are making tons of money that way. So why change? Uh, even though the consumer would probably want a much better experience, like what's the disconnect there and, and the refusal for them to move more online? It's status quo. It's it's a hundred percent status quo. So I think what you see between Canada and other markets is the Canadian market is significantly more concentrated by incumbents. And it, it really doesn't matter what industry you're looking at. Like you can look at, look, we have like one major movie theater chain, a few, um, a few grocery chains, everything's very like telecoms, like one of the worst examples of it. We have like just a handful of telecom providers. Um, so when you only have, uh, or when you have a high concentration and, and, and not a lot of fragmentation, you end up seeing very slow competitive forces. Like competitive forces take a long time to work through the economy. So, and financial services in particular, uh, just tr like where, just look at where people get their mortgages from, which is banks and credit unions. They, there, there's no incentive for them to improve because everyone's pretty happy with the amount of market share that they have. Uh, if everyone's getting, you know, a high percentage of market share, no one needs to do anything dramatic because these are expensive. These are really, really expensive CapEx projects. Like, like just to build this, uh, I, I have some quotes internally, but I know many of the large Canadian banks have spent hundreds of millions of dollars re, um, like reinvesting into their mortgage platforms. And, uh, it, it is hard and it's not something it's a, it's a complex user journey. So for a consumer, it's, it's by far the most complex consumer finance product that exists. It's not a credit card. It's not, uh, you know, an unsecured loan. It's, it's a mortgage. So there's to build it, it's a complicated journey. So if, if nobody's really doing it, then the market's not going to shift, uh, because people are pretty comfortable with their, with their banks in Canada, which is, which is great. We have really sound, strong banking system. But if that's where they're getting their mortgages from and those institutions aren't changing, then yeah, like the numbers are going to stay pretty stagnant for a long time. What did you uncover from, you know, the typical Canadian when they're going through the mortgage process? You know, I would assume most Canadians are getting one, possibly two mortgages in their lifetime. Where were they going? Were they just going to wherever they were already doing their banking with, already had the relationship? So how do you kind of unlock that, right? So people are kind of just going to what's relationship based, what's easiest for them. And, you know, where does pine fit into that? And wh where are you looking to, uh, unhinge the market, so to speak? Yeah. So, I mean, people get in, in, in this market here, people get their, their mortgage primarily or overwhelmingly from two main, uh, groups. And these groups sometimes have overlap. Um, so they get it from a bank. They just they walk into a branch or, uh, they, they call into the number on the website, but most of the time it's a branch. Um, and they just get it the traditional way. And that that's really out of this like concept of like, I want to keep all my finances in one place, which is again, another kind of Canadian concept. They're like, I'd rather have everything together. Um, and there's some benefit to that, I guess, or they go to a broker. And if they go to a broker, 
Um, it's primarily relationship-based. Someone, either their realtor or their friend or their financial advisor said, hey, I have a great mortgage broker. You can get in touch with this. And the mortgage broker market share is, is dramatically higher in Canada than it is uh, in the U.S. And um, a broker will have a number of options that they can kind of shop around for you. And um, it's, it's great in certain aspects in that they can get you a number of offers. And a lot of those offers end up being the same banks that you could have just went to directly. Um, but what's not so great about mortgage brokers is uh, the way that they're actually compensated is, is not necessarily always in the borrower's best interest. Um, and that is because of the way that they get compensated. They actually make more, if they sell you a mortgage product at a higher rate, um, they will get a higher commission. It's just, it's called the buy down. Uh, so essentially brokers have the option to provide uh, more buy down or to, to give back their commission essentially to the borrower in the form of a price discount. Uh, but they don't always do because, of course, there's a value to their service. For a lot of people, they value that service enough that they're willing to pay a few more basis points on their mortgage for that for that service. Um, but what I think is like not the most transparent is they could say, hey, I got five rates for you. This one's the best. Uh, you should go with it. Look how much it is better than these other ones. But they're, what I'm telling you is you know, that rate that they're telling you is the best could have actually been even lower if that broker was willing to forego more commission. Um so what we do at Pine, which is different, is we just give you the best rate like right off the bat. There's no negotiating with us. So we, we you know have calculations and we have a risk team and everything. And we say, hey, this is the best we can offer. There's not really negotiation because we already came out of the gate with a negotiation. Same thing with the banks. The bank model is really funny because if you go to any one of their websites, like if you just go to pick a bank's website right now, the posted rate is so much higher than the actual rate you're going to get from a sales, like a, like a mortgage sales staff at the bank. They, they do that to make it look like they're, they're giving you a discount, but there's always, there's generally more of a floor um, that you can go down to, but you have to take another offer from another person to get that rate. So it's just kind of like an unnecessary process. Um, so what, what kind of makes Pine different is as a mortgage lender, there, there's more economics involved than as a brokerage. So uh, we have more room to actually provide those discounts because we're getting, we, we have more economic stake in the transaction, meaning that when we give a discount, we can still, uh, you know, make money and be profitable because we make up money on other parts of the transaction, like um, servicing the customer, making sure that the customer is paying their mortgage on time. Like we get, we get paid for that where brokers don't. So we actually have more of an opportunity to, to be price competitive and to be faster because we own more steps of the process. And that's really everything that we're trying to be about. Through your research and like experience, what did you notice from what consumers are looking for? I'm assuming like rate is is one of the most important but were, were there other things right was it you know the process with a broker can sometimes be a little bit unsavory like what were other what were other factors more than and than just the, the the straightforward rate yeah so so like borrowers care about a lot of things rate very much at the top of the list um but the reality is everyone kind of has the same rates um Everyone taps into the same pool of capital for mortgage financing. So it's either it's bank capital most of the time. And it's just a matter of like how many layers there are until that bank capital gets to you. Um, so people care about rate. People care about certainty. That's a huge one for them. People want to know, uh, is my, my mortgage going to close on time? Or if I say that again, it's, it's really important for consumers to have a sense of uh, ownership in their mortgage and knowing that, hey, when... I have a closing on the 17th. It's going to close on the 17th. And that is placed very, very highly. Trust and certainty. And then the last thing is, is uh, convenience and speed, right? So it's, hey, is, was this just an easy process? Like I've, I've tried to get, just get a pre-approval for you know, my bank and it was many weeks of back and forth. Um, and because of that, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of priority that people are just going to put on convenience. Um, is, this, is this convenient? Uh, because the time it takes to like really shop is is not minutes; it's it's hours and days before you can really see it. You know, people don't always want to do that for a couple pips. How does Pine increase the speed of of like that transaction and that process? If banks are kind of back and forth over a few weeks, how has Pine done that? Is it really just a tech stack and just like knowing where you can speed things up? I guess I'd be interested to see how you've really sped that up. You know, I, I went through the process on the weekend just to try it out and I got a call the very next day. So how do you have the speed there? Is it just starting from the ground up with a new tech stack? You're a fast mover. 
in, a new, in, in an established space? How does that look? So I think it's a few things. Um, fundamentally, it's our, it's our focus on customer experience and the technology that enables that. Um, so we've built our entire system to be digital, uh, digital native and from the ground up, meaning that everything we do is integrated. So our like online portal is integrated with our, with our phone system, which is integrated with our uh, kind of backend system that we built for our, our uh, agent team. Um, so all of that, uh, a, it's just being able to respond to people faster. So, so if I give you an example, that's just on like the initial outreach, right? But that's only one of many touch points. I can tell you that at many of the legacy institutions, um, they are quite literally taking your mortgage application, printing it, faxing it to another or like instant, like another team within the same business and then faxing it back into other, because they have so many offices, uh, or unfortunately it's actually that data is going overseas to an overseas team in another country. Right, which is which is something we don't do at all. Every, everything we do is here in Canada. So um, we have built everything, and our our focus on customer experience and understanding that that is the only thing that separates us at, at this moment is why we're able to be faster. And then again, it's just a matter of scale. Look, I, I can say these things because we're not the we're not the market number one. Of course not. Like the the largest banks are. Um, it's much easier for us to not lose track of your application when we have a lot less than you know, a massive institution and like props off to, to these companies that have built like huge, really scalable businesses, but it is easier to be focused on the consumer when you're smaller. What's the relationship look like with the lenders? So you're kind of disrupting them on, you know, the customer acquisition end of things, but ultimately the mortgage is still financed and backed by them. How does that relationship look like? Um, I, I would get a sense that you know, it's like the disruptor is working with the establishment for, for the time being. How does that relationship look? Yeah. So, so the great thing about this is a mortgage is really, you know, a set of credit criteria around a rate. Um, there are a number of banks in Canada and financial institutions in Canada that do not want to be in the direct business of working directly with customers. They have either commercial deposits or they have uh, other ways of raising capital that they've you know, got in and building what we're building is not their business model. They do not want to have a customer support line. They do not want to be answering calls all hours of the day and talking to customer and building consumer facing technology. What they say is, Hey, we're a bank as a bank, we have money and we want to put this money to work and, and lend it out. So there are certain institutions we can work with, which are of absolutely no conflict. We're not disrupting them in any way. We're just distrib we're, we're distribution channel on their behalf. And that's the relationship we have right now with our banking partner. Um, but that being said, there are banks that we partner with as well that, that do compete with us, like through their retail channels. But if you, again, you remember a bank's goal is to raise capital in the form of deposits or bonds or, or kind of whatever other instruments that they have, and then lend that money out to, to get the economy going and to, to allow things. So whether that same loan is a customer that goes through their branch, has 30 calls, faxes, uh, you know, paper forms, or that same dollar is lent out through a channel like us, which is digital. The treasury team at the bank is is, is pretty agnostic to that. Um, but people do care about their market share. They do care about like their leaderboard. So it's an interesting dynamic. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what you've seen is as fintechs get bigger and bigger, it ends up not being necessarily competition. It ends up, hey, how do we both help each other? Um, and then there are many, there are many players. So um, it's not like we have to work with every single one. If we can find one or two that wants to use this as a channel and they really see the value of having that alternative because we're here to provide choice. Um, as much as I want to be number one, I think it's, I think it's unlikely in the short term that, that we're the largest player, but we'll get there. Um, so for now we want to give consumers the choice to do it on their own terms and to really own their mortgage. I, I would have a sense that a mortgage is one of the biggest financial decisions that, you know, the, the typical Canadian would go through in their lifetime. And you mentioned kind of the broker model there is, you know, very trans transaction focused and, and Pine is focused more on the customer experience. So, you know, I, I went through the onboarding flow. I initially, I got that initial call and I feel like that's just a game changer there. But where does that relationship continue? Obviously, mortgages, you know, are 20, 30, you know, I, I don't know if they could be longer than that, uh, 20, 30 years. Um, so what is, where do you see, you know, you're talking about, you, you know, being able to have a better rate up front because you have that longer relationship with a customer over time compared to a broker. 
So how do you think about that, that life cycle and where could there be more value add as, as a mortgage is ongoing for Canadians? Yeah. So, so our vision is to be like the premier company when Canadians think of residential real estate services. Uh, so today's mortgage, and that really comes from my background, but going forward in the future, we want to be a place where people can find uh, and maybe fulfill their, um, their needs for all the residential transactions. So, hey, could we help you find the right home insurance policy? Could we help you even find your home as a real, uh, as a real estate services company? So there's a lot of places. Right now, it's super important to us that we nail our first product before expanding into other ones. Um, but we want to be that holistic brand because if you think about it, these are all related to the same transaction. You're trying to find your house, maintain your house, refinance your home. Um, and they're complicated. And, you know, as, as I pointed out with, with kind of where people are today, they want to keep people do have a, a value of bundling. And that's why they stick with their banks today. But a bank is uh, not going to help you find your home. And there's, there's certain markets that they're not going to participate in. So we think that we can really build a brand. And that, that's why we were so excited to, to be building Pine, right? Like it's not, um, you don't see the word lend or the word mortgage, like anywhere kind of like in our branding. And that, that's really intentional. Like, like we're Pine and we're really here uh, to build a long lasting Canadian brand. What does that look like from, you know, that, that relationship ongoing with a Pine customer? Uh, like, can you walk me through a bit of, you know, like fixed rate, variable rate, you know, refinancing. I feel like these are all very complex concepts that, you know, most people are just like, I want to buy a home or, you know, there's that kind of ingrained mentality, especially in Canada, that home ownership is like that golden uh, ticket that you're looking to chase. So, you know, you talk about a bit about customer service as well. How is that? Is education important? People understanding these concepts deeper? Like, how do you think about and how does Pine think about, you know, that education component and adding more transparency to a very confusing concept for most? Yeah. So, so one thing I remind my team very frequently at most of our, uh, our like strategy meetings is, hey, here are our values and here are how we're going to display them with our customers. And I like to say, while this might seem familiar for us because we deal with this every day, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing in mortgages every single day. Um, our consumers don't do this very frequently. So re remember, like be empathetic with them. This is a huge transaction. This is a lot of money. If they're going to ask a lot of questions, it's because they want to feel informed. So we're doing this a couple of ways. We educate our team and our team is non-commissioned. So they're as, you know, uh, customer centric as they can be. Uh, they, they want to, they hope that we hope that consumers choose us, but at the end of the day, we're here to provide uh, sound advice to that customer. And, um, we, we continue to install that in our team. The other way is through our website and you'll probably notice we're, we're perking up in, in terms of content. Uh, so as the teams got bigger, we've had the ability to write more and create more content on our website. So we really want our, our, our site to be a home, uh, for, uh, disambiguating things that might, might seem confusing for consumers. Um, and when people go to pine.ca, hopefully they can find the appropriate resources to really help them understand the process, whether it's on their own time or it's through calling in uh, and talking to someone. How do you look at pine? We talked a little bit about brand, but how do you look at pine from a, a marketing perspective? Um, you know, I feel like if you're wealth simple, maybe you're, you know, a, a Neo or coho, there's a lot more, you're using that product more often right? Where Pine is that kind of one-time transaction. So how do you really think about marketing from a Pine perspective? Like where are you seeking out customers? Are you potentially going to go with brokers or is there marketing channels that the big establishment is not really monetized? Like how do you think about marketing in terms of Pine? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this has been on my mind a lot recently. So I, unlike um, a credit card or maybe an investment account. There's very little in Canada, at least induced demand in marketing. I say in Canada, because in the U S you can almost induce demand when rates drop with refinances. Like you can convince someone to refinance because it makes sense. They otherwise weren't thinking about it, but in Canada, people don't do that as much. Uh, so when you don't have a market where you can like convince someone who would like, either you're in the market for a mortgage or you're not in the market for a mortgage, uh, you're not just going to randomly uh, decide to get one. It's not that type of transaction which means that it's, it's important for us to focus on getting to the customer at the right time when they're interested. Um, so that's why we've been very careful with our marketing. 
Uh, we've intentionally not overspent on like brand marketing. Like you don't see tons of pine, pine billboards everywhere because we know that this is such an intricate transaction that we need to find those borrowers at the point of intent um, before honestly spending a huge bag of money on brand marketing, which you know could result in positive, but it could also result in us cutting our runway in half, which is not the goal of our, our business. Uh, so, so, so far we've been effective at finding customers uh, online with, with uh, channel partners um, and acquiring that way. And then really once we get them, once we get in front of a borrower, uh, we find that our like win rate is, is pretty high because we do have a really competitive offering. Like I said, we focus on customer experience and we, we are smooth and, and to the point. So it's just getting us in front of more people at the right time. So we're trying to build relationships with uh, people who can help us find borrowers um, and, and we're growing that, but somewhat intentionally or not somewhat, almost uh, very intentionally, we have not overspent on marketing because we know that as a new business, it's important for us to smooth out any, um, any things that we're just not 100% satisfied with in our process. So, so for the first, we, we started offering our products in Ontario in January. Um, we knew that as a new organization, not everything was going to be perfect. So it's like, hey, let's get out. Let's like get our experience running. Let's make sure that we have a smooth experience. And you're going to figure out all things that you can. There's so many. Look, you're no matter how big we are, there's always something you can do better. But we found out a lot of things that we could have done better right when we started. So we, the first customers went through. We gave them a fantastic product. They're they're very happy with us. But we said, hey, here are things that we learned. Here's how we can do them better for the next, you know, thousand customers. When you're looking at expanding throughout Canada, is each province very different? Like, how does that look like as a as a lender, are there lots of hoops to jump through? I'm assuming in, you know, this kind of mortgage financing space that, you know, regulation can be pretty heavy sometimes. So how do you combat, you know, being a fast mover with a, and a disruptor with, you know, a heavily regulated uh, space? Yeah. So, so people that know me, it's kind of funny that I'm like in startups. I'm actually a, a pretty like risk averse kind of like conservative person. So we have lots of legal counsel. Um, everything we do, we 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 um, we run by our team and, and make sure that it's compliant because we're not trying to do like really we're not trying to do anything wacky. Like our our business is like extremely straightforward. We're trying to do what other people do, but do it better and with a stronger focus on customer experience. Like we're not a reverse mortgage company. We're not offering like this new interesting financial product that has like regulatory uncertainty. Like everything we do we do from a regulatory perspective has been done before. We're just, we're just doing it with a more focus on customer experience. Um, and then I think that's where my help, like my past experience in fintech really does help. Like I've worked with, um, particularly at Blend, uh, I've worked in significantly more ambiguous uh, regulatory environments. Um, and I've worked with a very, very large compliance team. And I know like the steps it goes through when you're launching a new consumer fintech product. Uh, so my past experience in, in fintech helps with this because I know it's not like a net new for me. Like I know how to do this. I know the steps you go through to make sure you're able to balance speed and, uh, and uh, compliance. Could you walk through a bit of the, like the mortgage process? I know you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that, you know, that trust that a consumer has that the, the mortgage will be there on time. Can you talk a little bit more about I think people, you know, fairly understand, hey, I go to a broker or I go to my bank and I find a good rate. But what are steps after that that, you know, Pine can really nail and be better at? Yeah. So um, transparency around closing. So people people often think that there's like this black hole of like information, like you apply and then you never hear back for like three weeks. And then one day you get a call saying, OK, you're approved. So we try to be as upfront with timelines as possible. Um, we let the customer always know where they are in the process things like uh, providing documentation. So with a mortgage, you need to provide like, unfortunately, it's a lot of documentation, but it makes sense. We're, we're giving you hundreds of thousands or a million plus dollars in a loan. We need to make sure that everything you, you told us about yourself is accurate. Um, so with that documentation, we make it as easy as possible. So as far as I'm aware, um, other than one, the, the Canadian the incumbents don't have any way for you to do that digitally. It's all emails and you know, emails isn't very secure. Uh, so we have a portal. You can upload all of it. We tell you exactly what documents we need from you in that portal. Um, so this this is like table stakes stuff, but it's still it, the vast majority of Canadians getting a mortgage don't have even these table stakes things. So nothing I'm saying like is crazy. But then as we get uh, you know further along, we can cut out a lot of those things with um, with digital innovation. So you know you can connect directly to your bank account, and we can get your bank statements that way. 
uh, we can uh, inter like connect something that's really popular in the U.S. is connecting directly with the payroll provider to just get your pay stub directly because people people don't find these things. Uh, so so at the point after the point of applying, we we try to be as um, you know transparent and as quick as possible with these responses. So hopefully it's a better experience. How has it been? You know, I think other startups I've had on, you know, I think less so on the customer service side. I've had a few. But I guess when you're, most people are used to creating, hey, this product and it solves this thing. Whereas to me, it sounds like a lot of the innovation on Pine is just better customer service. How do you think about that kind of, almost that balancing act of, hey, like we're a tech first product, we, you know, we're, you know, we're a technology company, but also we are still very human centric as well. How do you look at that kind of relationship? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um first and foremost nobody even the most experienced person in mortgages absolutely nobody wants to go completely end to end without ever talking to someone there there's definitely going to be and when i say talking you know i use in the more modern sense texting talking emailing uh, nobody will go through and go straight to their closing without having like one person conversation like that is going to happen it's a huge transaction so i saw that at blend people often ask us oh, okay so i'm going to install blend i'm going to get rid of my entire advisor team and we're like no no it's not going to happen like you still need loan in the us it's called loan officers but it's like you're not going to just get rid of all your loan officers because you have blend this is going to allow them to provide more high value things rather than just requesting documentation and doing credit pulls and stuff like that um so that's kind of at the beginning um but then in terms of what we like to say is we're not innovating the financial product uh meaning we haven't invented a new mortgage like uh, with a different amortization schedule or interest only payments or, you know, whatever you want to call it. We have, we have not innovated the financial product. Our financial product looks identical to anyone else who's getting a fine, like a mortgage, uh, where we have put all of our innovation and where we, we stress to be a technology company is, um, in our process innovation. So like we have spent a lot of time and a lot of engineering resources, making our process as smooth as possible, because at the end of the day, it becomes, it comes down to like utilization and can my, you know, $10 of advertising and $10 of, of salary result in significantly more uh, volume than someone who has uh, a lot of sluggishness in their process. So that's where the technology enables us to do a lot better. Uh, and then once we have that brand and once we've built a reputation for being, you know, grade A type of lender, then we can start layering on those more innovative uh, services and, and expand on that brand. Say, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you could bundle these services or wouldn't it be nice of, okay, now, now you can do this with Pine, which you couldn't do in the past. Um, and, and then it becomes very interesting. And I think that's a very successful strategy in Canada because it's not nearly as crowded here. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is like in the U.S., bundling is somewhat hard because there's there's often another fintech that does that exact thing, but they, they only do that exact thing and they're, they're, they're really good at it. But here you've seen successfully Neo, Wealthsimple, uh, Coho, they're, they're offering multiple products because like, hey, there's there's only so many online brands in the market. And if you can offer multiple products, then... Uh, it does make sense. It's, it's a lot less competitive in that sense. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, I guess I'd be curious from where, where you see a lot of those kind of growth channels coming from. Uh, you know, if you're building a top-notch consumer experience, obviously I feel like word of mouth and referrals are like a powerful thing there. Where do you... Are, are you already seeing them slash where do you expect these growth channels uh, to be? So I see it a couple places. Um, so long run, what really makes a successful business is what you just said. So word of mouth and brand recognition. So when people think mortgage, they think pine. And um, it takes a while to build that up. And it, it often takes a lot of money as well. Uh, but once you get that going, that's how you see your, your cost of acquisition get reduced. Um, that's how you see, you know, a higher ROI on your ad spend. So maybe you, you buy one customer uh, through a traditional performance marketing channel. That customer is like a break-even customer or maybe you lost money on that customer, but that customer refers to two more people. Well, those two customers now made the whole, all three of them, unit economic positive. So that's where you need to get, you need to get that flywheel. And that comes again from customer experience and customer service. Um, but there's a lot of other places like channel partnerships that, we, that we're working on where, hey, there's other institutions. They interact with borrowers at that point of intent, but they don't offer mortgage today we can be that, that recommended partner and, and seamlessly kind of, because we can process people digitally, they can easily jump from one transaction into uh, ours, which is um, something that we're working on for the later, later part of next year. 
also i I, th- I don't know if this is just you know my personal view on things but when i think bundling sometimes or you know if if you know i bank with rbc and then i'm also going to get a rate for them so in in my mindset and i don't know if this is reflective of other consumers i feel like they're going to give me a worse rate because they already have won me as a customer so how do you think about that of like you keep talking about you know brand and and pine being the go-to mortgage provider do you feel like that is a powerful place to be? You know, we, we talked about some other fintechs and other people like they're looking to bundle. Yes. But ultimately you want to be known as like the de facto mortgage brand. And, and I'd like to just get your opinion on that. Is it a younger generation that's looking to have is fine with having their money in more places? You talked about that earlier in the conversation. I'd like to get your, your ideas and, and, and view on that kind of relationship. Yeah, so I think you, you, met, you touched on a couple of different points, which are all really interesting. So you talked about when people bundle, they often get worse pricing. So that's true. Like when you go to your bank, depend, like unless you're like a really, really amazing customer, like they see like, oh, this guy has like millions in deposits, like we should, we should retain him at all costs and, you know, just totally lose money on this mortgage because it's worth it for the relationship. Yeah, you're not, you don't get the best rate like upfront, um, which is silly because um, really the opposite should be true. When you bundle, you should be able to offer even more competitive pricing. The reason being you spend that, you've already spent your cost of acquisition. So all of your CAC cost is, is already been spent on whatever that first product that they bought with you was. So because you don't have a CAC cost, your, your second, third, fourth product should actually be cheaper. Not, it shouldn't be more expensive. That's just, you know, taking advantage of your, of your customers, which is unfortunate. Um, and then the other point you mentioned, I almost forgot, uh, is about our, our, is the younger generation more comfortable with having money more places? I would say so. Um, I think like, like money is, is becoming very much and, you know, with everything that's going on, web, crypto, web three, whatever money is, is, is very digital now. Right. So we don't really have any significant progress on open banking in Canada, unfortunately. But if you look at other more advanced markets, uh, like be able to move money between your financial services online is, is instantaneous. Right. So when money, when money becomes instantaneous, um, the barriers to entry for new players becomes a lot lower because people don't just keep their money at the bank because it's, it's nice to have. Um, and it's, you know, quite frankly, it's a pain. It's, it's a huge pain. Like if right now, if you want to move financial institutions in Canada, like you, you have to go to a branch to wire. And I, I, uh, I, again, remember I lived in the U S you can initiate wires online in the U S as a consumer, you cannot do that in Canada. Like you literally have to go inside a bunch of papers. Like it's, it's baffling. So, but I think we'll make progress there. And I think we are making progress there and money movement is becoming easier. So I do think the younger generation is, and they're more, they're more tech savvy too, um, in certain aspects, not in all aspects, like actually our average age of a customer is probably a lot older than a lot of people would think. Um, and it just makes sense. Like who's buying homes It's well, people who've had the opportunity to build up more wealth. Um, uh, but yeah, the younger, the younger generation, you know, they're, they're more comfortable having things spread across, I would say. Could you break down a little bit what goes into a mortgage rate? Like, obviously, there's, you know, lending rates set by Bank of Canada, and the lenders will build off of that. What goes into that? Because you just mentioned, you know, so, some banks will even offer a better rate to a, you know, a top-notch cl- customer, client. What goes in? What are the mechanisms that make up uh, that rate? Because sometimes it can be a little bit of a black box. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, so like... My friends in capital markets are probably going to like not give the most technically like accurate answer, but I'll do my best to, to explain this. So essentially there's like the yield market uh, or like the interest rate market in general. So obviously there's the Bank of Canada overnight rate. Um, that is like the, the rate that banks can uh, get interest on their deposits if they, if they park it with the Bank of Canada. Uh, some mechanism like that. It's, it's a little more technical. Um, what that does is it, it, that reflects kind of the rest of the economy. Um, so you see those interest rates reflected in bond yields and swap curves. And I won't explain quote swap curves cause like there's no point, but essentially like, a, a good proxy is like the five-year bond rate. So if you go right now on like market watch or, or one of these like uh, Bloomberg terminals, you can see how, like what the yield is on a five-year Canadian bond. And, uh, let me just pull it up right now. Five-year Canadian bond yield. Uh, so right now the, the five-year Canadian bond yield is 3.3%, right? So that means that if you bought a bond or you bought the bond, uh, that is a Canadian that is being used as the benchmark number, uh, you know, you get 3.3%. So that's really the floor because that's seen as the risk-free rate, 
like in, in, in economic sense, there is 0% chance that the bank, of, uh, uh, sorry, that the Canadian federal government will default on their bond obligations because they can just create more money if they want to. Um, so from there, there's essentially what's called like a, a, a market risk premium. So it's okay, you're, you as a consumer are definitely more risky than the, the Canadian federal government, of course, but, um, uh, but you know, you're securing this by an asset, which is a home. So if we only do an 80% loan to value, then, you know, there's all these calculations. So there's a small risk premium that's, that's added on top of that. Um, then there is, so that's your base rate. It's like essentially like the yield plus like the risk premium. Again, people like people in finance will say like, I'm probably explaining this wrong, but generally this is what happens. Um, and then from there, there's all the costs that go into making your mortgage. And those are dollar costs that can be reflected as like a percentage of yield, like uh, over time or interest rate, because you can say, okay, so if it costs a thousand dollars in literally human time, like if you spent, if we spent 10 hours on your mortgage uh, between underwriting and fulfillment and sales, but we spent 10 hours, let's say they you know, salary was a hundred bucks, just, just to make the numbers easy. Well, then we, we spent a thousand dollars of like labor making your mortgage that gets all reflected in not like your not in your rate necessarily, but like on aggregate that gets reflected in the rates because some customers might be simpler than others. Um, they, like if you're a more complicated customer, they don't just make your rate more expensive. Nobody does that. Um, but in aggregate, there's a cost of human and then there's a cost of acquisition. So again, how much advertising did it cost? Well, that gets baked into your mortgage rate. Um, and then there's all these other things. So like a mortgage is not a completely identical to a bond payment because it amortizes differently and you can prepay it, meaning there's prepayment risk, which means that investors think about that. Um, but at the end of the day, there's like all these, there's all these things that go into it, but it really starts with like where are bond yields and where, where are, are equivalent investments of the same tenure. Uh, and then all these additional costs of creating your mortgage. And then there's your rate. So if you think about pine, if we're more, if we're faster, like, let's say we have the same base rate, like we can tap into capital. We're not a bank, but if we could tap into capital markets through whatever mechanisms that we have and then, okay, well, we are actually more efficient on marketing. And, you know, we spend less human labor hours. Well, then that results in a better long-term rate for that customer. So it's complicated. I don't know. <laughs> the sections uh, is fun. What would be a piece of it? You know, you, you've been in the space for a little while now. Um, what would be pieces of advice that you would give to Canadians when they're considering looking for a mortgage uh, what rate they should be looking at? Like, what are what are some some tips that you would give people? Yeah, so uh, it's it's really understand your financial situation and get the right advice from someone who uh, works in the industry. Um, so I can't come out and it's like really hard for me to say, oh yeah, get right now fixed rates are great. Get a fixed rate or you no know, go adjustable. Um, I don't I don't I don't ever really tend to say that. I say, hey, look, understand your financial needs. Why are you buying a home? Are you just buying one because you think it's like the right thing to do, or is it, is, is it the right financial decision for the, for a lot of people? Uh, I shouldn't be saying this as a as a you know mortgage leader, but uh, renting is the right choice for for a lot of people because uh, there are a lot of fixed costs to buying a home that you don't get back for many years. So if you think you're going to move cities every couple of years, you know you really like to be on the go. Well, then like yeah, maybe make, like renting is the smart decision here. Uh, so understand your financial situation, and once you understand your financial situation, get get valid advice from someone you trust. That's really important. Um, and, and then feel comfortable about it and, and know that, uh, anyone who's trying to put pressure on you is generally doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, I think we've all experienced this in, in probably like, like realtors, like they're all like, you, you got this now. It's like immediate. Like I know when the Toronto market was hot, uh, it's not hot anymore, but when it was hot, people are like, you've got to put a bit on this home. I know you haven't even seen it, but like, it, 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 if you don't go tonight, like it's going to go. And I'm like, like, like maybe it's true, but really like they're doing it because, because they're transaction based. So, so don't, don't feel um, pressured by anyone that that's a big thing that I, I like to tell people. I'd love to jump into the quick fire round. Um, and the first question would be, what is the best book you have read or maybe one that uh, you're looking to crack into? Uh, this is like way off the beaten track. So I like, um, I'm a really big like history guy. Um, I try actually not to read many business books at all. Um, for me, uh, I like when I, when I read to like learn about something very different. So there's, there's a great book called Ghost Wars by Stephen Cole. And um, that was a Pulitzer Prize winner. I want over 20 years ago now, but essentially it's about the, the history of uh, Afghanistan um, and 
uh, you know, the war they had with the Soviet Union. And that is just what, why I like that book, even though I didn't retain, like, let's say I retained 3% of that book because it's, it's thick. Um, I liked it because it shows the level of dedication that someone can have to a topic that like the amount of research this guy did to create that book. And obviously it shows it won the Pulitzer Prize is, is remarkable. Like it, all the security analysts he talked to, everyone on the ground, people there, people here, it is crazy. So, so that is a really, really impressive work uh, that I enjoyed reading. I'll have to add that to my list. Second would be, what are you most excited about this year? Whether that's you know business wise with Pine or just personally. Uh, well, I, let, let's say for Pine because because it's a lot of my life right now. Uh, I'm super excited to grow the company. So yes, we started uh, you know early mid 2021. We really got going in 2022, and now with our Series A um, behind us, um, we really have a lot of room to grow. So I'm so excited about the opportunity just to bring our product to more consumers. Um, final question would be, um, final, final question would be, how do you deal with hard times as being a founder, especially in a, an established space? Uh, do, do you get outside? Do you read? Do you have, hang out with friends? What are the ways that you keep balanced? Um, yeah. So, I mean, these, these are all important things. I, I actually do really like do being outside and, and being in nature. Um, that helps. But I think fundamentally what helps is uh, this isn't my first startup, right? So I am very familiar with the ups and downs that come with, with an early stage company. And I think that helps level set me. Um, and it's kind of interesting because I, on one hand, I want to say like, don't take it too seriously. Uh, but I don't, I think in financial services, that's not really the right answer. Like I do take it very seriously because we're dealing with people's like financial lives. Like I'm sure, I'm sure people in healthcare take it the same way. Uh, but really keeping a level head and knowing that, you know, today's problems are going to be very different from next year's problems. And it's all, it's all part of the process uh, is what keeps me uh, going and, and having a strong support system around you. So I live in Toronto. That's where my family, uh, that's where I grew up and that's where my family lives. And that's really important um, to me right now is to, to have that. Perfect. Justin, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I know that Pine is active in Ontario and you just recently launched in Alberta. So I'll have to check that out when I'm looking to buy my first place, but what's the best way for any listener to check out pine, visit pine.ca. What's the best way? Yeah. Yeah. Go to pine.ca. You can uh, read all about us on our website and I try to respond to as much as I possibly can. So if you want to email me directly, it's just justin at pine.ca as well. Justin, I appreciate the time today. It's been an insightful conversation to the, the mortgage, the lending space and learning more about pine. So appreciative of your time. It's been a blast. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe, share with friends, and reach out with guest suggestions. Check out the podcast description for my social and website links to stay up to date with all future episodes.